Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's guest is Randy Kay. He is the author of seven books and over 1,000 articles and publications such as the Wall Street Journal and Forbes. Randy's heart stopped beating for nearly 30 minutes, and he had a near-death experience in heaven with Jesus, and today we're going to learn about his experience and some of his revelations of heaven. Randy, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you, and welcome. Thank you for having me, Jeff. All right, so the audience loves to hear about near-death experiences, so can you tell us how you clinically died and what happened after your heart stopped? Sure. I, um, we were, we were taking a family trip to the mountains and, uh, I had come back from a business trip and my uh, calf had swollen to about one and a half times its size. So I went in wanting to get, uh, an anti-inflammatory for the, uh, trip, long awaited vacation and was rushed to the emergency room. And, uh, through ultrasounds and CAT scan, I was found that I had six blood clots. And because I had uh, cycled up the coast, we live in Carlsbad, California, uh, near the ocean. Uh, I thought that the calf soreness was from a muscle strain, but in fact it wasn't. And so I had actually, actually exacerbated the condition. The clots had traveled up my leg, uh, through my lung and blocked the pulmonary artery, which is the main blood flow uh, the soul blood flow really, uh, to the lungs. So I was literally suffocating to death. And, uh, I, at that point was uh, going to be rushed to university of San Diego to have my chest cracked open, uh, for the clots to be removed. But it was determined that by the time I got there, I would be dead. Uh, the doctor said I was a walking dead man by the time I got there. Uh, so it was basically a drip, drip, drip of the uh, heparin solution. Meantime, uh, in the room adjacent to me, somebody was evacuated out and, uh, we didn't, I didn't know why, no, no people around me knew why that were visiting, except, uh, when the doctor came in to draw blood, he couldn't, uh, what had happened was an infection had set in, uh, around the IV site, uh, which later was determined as MRSA. And uh, at that time, about 20% of those who contracted MRSA, because it's a drug-resistant uh, bacterial strain, and mine happened to be one of the most resistant, I um, was clotting throughout my body. So not only in my leg and my lungs, my arteries, that is, uh, all throughout, it was like a traffic jam uh, throughout my venous system. Only uh, instead of cars, they were uh, red blood cells clumping together. 
so at that point, really, I, um, I had um, just a sense of anxiety. And then uh, it wasn't long uh, after I was diagnosed that I had MRSA and pulmonary embolism or pulmonary emboli, plural, uh, blood clots uh, to the top killers uh, that I realized that, um, you know, this may be it. Uh, and then I started convulsing and I convulsed to the point uh, where my body started flopping around like a fish out of water. Uh, and then everything went dark and um, I hadn't lost consciousness at that point. Uh, but I was in, in a dark, place illuminated by a light from above. Uh, I am a, uh, as you noted from my bio, I'm a scientific person. So this was way out of my realm. Uh, however, I was in perfect peace, very comfortable. I saw briefly my body from below. I saw in the distance uh, as I, it was, this light was illuminating my area around me from darkness to lighter to lighter shades. Uh, I saw a, a valley and I saw hills. Uh, I saw two groups fighting with one another, which uh, does sound bizarre. Of course, the whole, uh, this whole process probably sounds bizarre to many, uh, but they were fighting with one another. I didn't know what that was, but these were very otherworldly looking figures. They were uh, tall, gangly figures, with long arms, Faces that uh, that I didn't identify with anything that I'd seen in this world, uh, but I continued to ascend, and uh, again at perfect peace. And then, um, as as I was rising above, my feet settled on a cushiony ground, uh, and I had a body snuggling uh, next to mine with his arm wrapped around my left arm. And uh, I've got to clarify, Jeff, I, I don't know if I'll make it through this interview, but and many when I go there uh, and many of those people that I've talked to have had this kind of experience where they clinically died, heart stopped in mind for about 30 minutes, that this encounter is so personal and so real and lasting, more real than anything that I would experience on this earth. When I go there to be that with that time with Jesus, um, there I go. My, my mind takes me, and I think it's more of my, than my mind. I think it's my spirit that takes me um, to that place again. Because never in all of my life had I realized consummate love uh, as I did then, I knew the emotion of love. I knew the action of love of saying, I love you and, and all of that. But here was consummate love that was next to me. I knew immediately it was Jesus Christ. Um, I, uh, I felt his, uh, his bristles against my face. Uh, I, his, Robe is very cottony, soft, but I didn't turn. I was cheek to cheek, and I didn't turn to him initially because my first thought was, this is love. My second thought was, I, uh, I'm, in, uh, I'm in heaven and paradise with Jesus. I turned to him, and he had a very 
familiar uh, look to him. He looked not altogether different than you or I, and that he had the the, the brown kind of longish hair, uh, the beard. But what impressed me most of all was for the first time I looked uh, into those um, <coughs> emerald uh, emerald brown eyes that tunneled into every dark place within me, imparting his light and that love. And um, his first words were, uh, trust me. And uh, for a type A personality who uh, wasn't very trusting, that was asking a lot, but I implicitly and completely trusted in him. He then took my hand and we went for a walk. Uh, I just wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. I could have been thrown in a dumpster and I would have been entirely satisfied because I was with the person of the author of love. And um, we didn't speak much. Everything that was being communicated between us at first was uh, intuitive in a sense, and that I knew his thoughts, he knew mine. And uh, I knew that there really wasn't anything I needed to do to justify myself. I had this um, understanding uh, to go back a little bit, and I'll just briefly say that before this happened, I was angry at God. Um, you know, we'd been from the front cover of Time magazine introducing a cure for Alzheimer's uh, to a biotech company that I was the CEO of and having to fund that, and FDA pulled our drug off of the market. Um, you know, that, that, that the rug underneath me, so to speak, had just been pulled. So I was angry at God before I went there. I say, God, if in my bedroom, I remember if, if you're real, I got to see you. I got, I got, I halfway expected him to show up some way, you know, and uh, I was the proverbial doubting Thomas. So that's the state of mind I went there for. I, expected God to be angry at me. I expected God to, to say, you know, I told you so, or why didn't you, you know, do this or that? And why, but it was none of that, none of that. I felt absolute forgiveness, absolute, absolute acceptance. And he told me to fear not. And I was a very fearful person. I'm not anymore. Uh, but I was at that point prior. And so he told me to fear not. You know, I'm with you. I knew that. I, you know, I read the Bible uh, a few times. You know, I taught in a church. I was a deacon at a church. So <laughs> I had all of the um, appearances and I, I was a true believer, but I was not 
my faith was not a full conviction. Certainly I had it then being in his presence. And so uh, I am with you always has always been a conundrum to me. How can you know, God be all places, all times with us? Um, I'm with you always. The promise never leave you, never forsake you, all of those things. But uh, I knew it. I knew it then. It was then that I, um, I began to look away from the one who loved me most to what was around me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, Jeff, and to your viewing audience. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched, most of us have watched The Wizard of Oz. You know, Dorothy goes from black and white to a uh, color. Well, I was seeing colors of every every variety, but exponentially so. I was seeing grades of greens and yellows and oranges and all of those things, uh, multiples of colors that I had never, never, ever seen uh, prior. Everything was living. Everything had life. And I know that's difficult to put in context of this world because we have things that, uh, plants that live and they die, but everything was living and everything had life. And then I looked at the feet of Jesus and what I saw was, because I had seen this river flowing throughout uh, heaven, and I saw that river began at his feet, and it just flowed up the mountains and through the valley's vineyards that I saw. And um, I saw, I heard these angelic voices, and I looked around, and I saw angels that uh, had Again, more otherworldly looking, uh, tall, gangly, bronze looking arms, as strange as this may seem, uh, eyes that seem more like fire than they did pupils. Again, Jesus was familiar in all of his features, but not the angels. They seem to be more magnificent. And yet um, I felt a kindred spirit with Jesus. And that was something that... Uh, was a key uh, learning or takeaway when I uh, came back and was resuscitated uh, that Jesus is a friend. And this was a profound epiphany for me. And so everything that he showed me uh, was a, a reflection of the love, a reflection of his very presence. Uh, again, it's hard to explain what that is like. Uh, because there's no no words in the English or any uh, any language in the lexicon of any language that can explain some of the things. Some some of the things are familiar that we can relate to in that context, and some of the things are otherworldly. Uh, and for example, when I saw the uh, you know blue sapphire type of rocks, and I saw the angels traversing, and I saw the glory what I perceived as the glory of God, um, that glory, I've tried to write about it because I, I do um, enjoy writing and I still can't come up with the words uh, that would, would adequately reflect even a parcel of what that glory is. It was magnificent to the extreme. And yet that glory was, was together with Jesus in a, in no separation um, again, inexplicable, but there was a, there was a, a, a union, a communion that was going on. I did see people. I saw more people 
than I had ever seen. But I saw more the intention of those people, even more than the features and all of the characteristics we normally ascribe to people uh, in this world. I saw, I saw them as I think God saw them. I saw them in their, in their innermost facets. And I also saw those who were doing things. You know, we have a perception of heaven as sometimes as portrayed in the movies as, you know, a walk in the clouds. There's anything but, you know, I've felt more intentionality, more, more purposeful, more uh, able to do things certainly from place to place, from thought to thought in heaven than at any other time in this world before and after uh, I was there. And I saw a, a group of uh, three people. I saw, I saw a woman in long hair. I saw a man in kinky hair. I saw another man with a kind of a goatee. And they're holding hands. And I thought they were, I, I knew again, there's a sense of knowing, which goes beyond just knowing. It's sensing fully what's going on during that time. And I, but I did know in my heart of hearts that they were praying for somebody and it wasn't in heaven. It was here. They were praying for somebody here. And I also knew that Jesus was in constant intercession, just constant, you know, praying for people, all of the accidents that never happened, all of the things that, that Jesus was, was praying. Again, I didn't hear the audible prayers from Jesus, but I knew that I knew that I knew. And I knew also with this uh, group of three. Now, he was by my side the entire time we were walking and I was perceiving these majestic things. Um, you know, that I saw no darkness. I saw stars in, in the sky, in the, in the daytime sky. Um, but this, these three people, I saw in their midst, Jesus, at the same time, he was by my side. And, um, I realized that even though I felt like I was had Jesus's en entire focus, I felt like an audience of one. And by the way, I want to tell those who are listening, Jeff, this emphatically, please. And that is that he does the same for you, for me. You are like the only person in the world to him, like the only person, has the cares of the world on his shoulder, more love than certainly anyone that we can associate with. And yet he was, an, I felt like an audience of one, my full attention. And yet he was the same for those in that group of three that were uh, praying or holding hands together with one another as he did for me and that was an epiphany for me. It was absolutely uh, breathtaking, the attention that he had to me. And then I don't want to talk on and on, Jeff. I want to give a pause here because oh. I don't. I could go on and on for a long time, but I want to give a pause to to you if there are any thing, any questions or anything else. All right, um, I appreciate that. Right from the beginning. When you left your body, I thought you said you weren't unconscious yet. Is that correct? And what did you mean by that? And and were you conscious of your body the whole time you were in this other place? Or did you ever forget about your body on earth? 
I never forgot about my body on earth. I was, well, I had a new body in uh, heaven. It was uh, similar but different. Um, I call it a pure essence. It was um, more spiritual body. It wasn't uh, the same physical body with no ailments, nothing of that sort. But yes, I, I had no uh, sense of having died. Okay. Uh, my heart had stopped. Um, I it, the studies have shown the brain stops within a matter of seconds, the most the you know most uh, minutes, uh, and yet I had no sense of having died all the time. Now consciousness can be associated with uh, with the mind or the brain thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, that was not the case. Obviously, uh, what was going on was an awareness of uh, me being alive. And being in in the presence of uh, of Jesus, being more alive than I'd ever felt on Earth, more uh, able to sense things more more so than any at any other time. But yeah, I um, I was fully aware. But I was in different states. You know, when I first started ascending, it was more like a like a spiral galaxy uh, than it was a place that you and I would associate with a paradise. Let's say. Uh, when I was with Jesus. So I believe I was in at least two different places, maybe, maybe multiple places as I was going through that, um, that ascent um, and the light, which I believe now is the light of, uh, of Jesus of God that was pulling me up. Um, I never lost that sense of being alive or that I was struggling or that I needed to to fear at that point of perfect peace. So I guess what you're trying to say is you really never, you were always had conscious thoughts the whole time. It's like you never went unconscious like a blank and then you woke up and then now I'm here. It was just like it shifted from being in your body to all of a sudden you're out of your body and then you went to a dark place first, I believe. And then you started ascending. Yeah. That would be a correct way to state, state that. I think so. Uh, you know, there was a um, certainly a physical feeling at that point where um, my body uh, started going into septic shock in that it felt like, um, you know, there was a tugging, like a tugging at the shirt. There was a tugging at me at that point that was pulling at me. And I realized that I was letting go. Mm-hmm. And um I don't think I had was consciously letting go because I was fighting like heck, you know, to uh, to stay alive at that point. But um, I knew that it was it was not a roller coaster ride where I was going to hit bottom. You know, it was something where I knew that when I reached that point where I was going to go into um, another dimension, another place that. Um, you know, that, 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 that was okay. Because at that point I had lost a compulsion that I had to live. Um, and I, at that point was where I, um, I believe that my, my spirit was being released. Uh, it was the most freeing experience in my entire lifetime up to that point. Most freeing experience was at the point where I was, uh, literally uh, dying to the point of being clinically dead. So that that's a conundrum, isn't it? I mean, that's 
but certainly not how we would think about it. You know, we would think about, okay, I, you know, I was suffocating to death, septic shock, all of the physical, uh, you know, senses being dis- disrupted and being in a state of massive fear, massive, uh, you know, clinical um, explosions, you know, going on. And yet, um, the, what my spirit was sensing was in a total anathema to all of that total mm-hmm. anathema. And, um, and that's, that's the kind of diametrical opposition, I think, to, you know, to living with that intent of greatest survive the greatest tendency of the human nature is survival from that desire to a desire than to just go with it. And then my desire when I was with Jesus was to please him, you know, and I didn't feel like I needed to earn that, that love, that acceptance, completely opposite to that. It was one that, um, the, the changing the have to, to the want to, you know, I had to feel, felt like, you know, you read my bio and all throughout my life and my, you know, whether it be school or business or whatever, I had to earn my place. There's no earning in heaven. It was all complete acceptance because it was something that um, was not merited. It was given, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a whole different uh, mindset, I think. Mm-hmm. Having given that all that was necessary, that approval was no longer a human need, certainly not the desire to survive. And time was never, you know, an issue. You know, that's a man-made or uh, human-made construct. And, you know, time was irrelevant there. Um, clinically, 30 minutes, roughly 30 minutes, the monitor had captured. It was actually a couple by my bedside who came in. The um, The nurse had stepped away for a while. Um, and uh, there was a couple that came to my bedside, ashen face, um, flatline, and... And they were singing a, a worship, kind of worshipful song, you know, praise, praying, you know, God had saved this man, you know, whatever it was um, specifically. But there was a song in particular that I remember uh, because when I awoke, the first words were, Mr. K, um, can you hear me? Um, that was the the song or the melody that I heard in heaven. So my first inclination was my consciousness was um, kind of reassimilating, if you will, from being in that ethereal place in heaven, which was more real than anything here, um, to now kind of connecting that as my mind was returning, my brain, uh, again, getting blood, to uh, now um, taking that music and kind of combining them into, you know, sounded like a great peon, peon, and no, that's not, I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's an orchestra of, you know, angelic uh, beings is singing out to one of this couple then at my bedside when I was uh, awoken. And what I realized after the fact, kind of I journaled all of this stuff um, so I wouldn't forget it, is that I felt that the prayers of those two and others that were praying at the time, because I had a number of people were praying for me, uh, were enjoined in heaven such that somehow you know, that was enjoined and enacted um, for me to come back because I didn't want to come back. I honestly did not want to come. I mean, I was in paradise. I knew that my 
children would be uh, taken care of. They were younger. Um, they were eight and 10. Uh, my wife, um, I knew that they would be taken care of. So I was perfect piece of that. I felt like a, a kid when Jesus told me, you know, I'm going to return you. I felt like a kid, you know, waking up on Christmas morning, right? Going downstairs to open up uh, his presence. And then the parent saying, you know, you've got to go back to bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't say it's too early in the morning. Yeah. Um, and so I asked Jesus, I said, why are you returning me? I, at least you owe me that. And he said, I'm returning you because you haven't fulfilled your purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, my follow-up question to him, and this is the only time I really challenged him, was, okay, well, at least I, I should know my purpose then. Tell me my purpose uh, if I'm going to, uh, leave this paradise and, um, and lo and behold, he, uh, he told me exactly that, but in a way that, uh, that I did not expect at all. You mentioned that before this experience, you were a type A personality. Are you still a type A personality afterwards? No, I'm, um, it seeps in occasionally because I think part of that may be physiological, mm-hmm. you know, or, or mentally ingrained, you know, from the time, uh, you know, being prompted by uh, my parents to get all A's and all that stuff. Um, but no, no, my perspective, certainly uh, Jeff has changed tremendously. Type A personality, you know, is, is striving after whether it be a status achievement um, but more so, I think just wanting to go, 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 you know, never being able to rest, never being, you know, having to always achieve something where I was working 80 hour weeks, you know, all of those things. Now I would say my personality type, I don't know if it's been defined because I certainly wouldn't say it's a B or C. I would say my personality type is one of, um, caring more for others, um, you know, one, I, I really, I did care. I wasn't a bad person in that sense, but I have a, a degree of empathy. I think that I never, never had for, uh, for people after the experience in heaven, um, where I, I not only understand it, but I feel what they feel. And, and I received now subsequent to having written about this and, uh, a number of messages from people. But, you know, when Jesus was with me in heaven, there was, uh, to your point, Jeff, you know, I, when I asked him, okay, show me your purpose, my purpose. And so, you know, what happened, and this is uh, kind of interesting, I think, is that a, a butterfly had landed on my shoulder, right? So here I am in paradise, all of these things going on. A butterfly had rested on my, on my shoulder. And, um, and again, I knew uh, that there was something more significant to this butterfly than just a randomness because nothing was random there. And uh, Jesus uh, told me that that butterfly represented wisdom. And wisdom was the voice of God telling me what to do. And it was a comforting voice. It was a voice of, of direction instilling that purpose. And so I still wanted to know, though, type A personality, as you said, um, you know, and I wasn't a type A there necessarily, but I still wanted to know the answer, you know, give me the answer. Right. And, um, he said, Jesus said, if I were to give you 
your purpose in full. You would not be dependent upon me, but I want you to, by moment by moment, be relying upon my office, that voice of wisdom telling me what to do. So that was, an, again, an anathema to a type A. You know, so when I returned, I found myself then uh, just getting still, you know, and I found myself going to the grocery store and looking at faces of people. And I found myself, you know, uh, somewhat of an understanding or at least an appreciation, whether it be an expression or whether it be uh, more of an ethereal uh, understanding that that person needed prayer or encouragement or something else. And I found myself then being intentional, you know, going to the, I went wrong day to get my hair cut, right? So, um, so I started to go back and then I realized this person, the, the uh, person cutting my hair was said, um, the person that was sitting in the chair, I would have sat in if I showed up on the right time or date, uh, that she had lost her husband. And I realized that it was an appointed time. Uh, to share because the fear of death and the fear of losing a loved one is so strong um, and so immersive and and, uh, devastating at times. I knew that that was my appointed time, moment by moment by moment, stilling myself. That's not a type type A personality. That's that's somebody who is meeting you, Jeff, uh, here, meeting the audience out there. I don't know you, but you know, um, there's, a, there's an appreciation of love that I did not have as sincerely, certainly, as as post uh, post heaven. Now, I believe you said that you were a religious guy before, and I think you went to church and you were active in church. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let me follow up with that. Yeah. Um, after your experience, your general thoughts on religion, on church on spirituality did they change did you did you become more religious less religious how did you change after that i guess i would redefine religion you know if you i've studied all of the major religions by the way um i was an agnostic uh in my earlier years so um an agnostic doesn't is not like an atheist where you say there is no god i was an agnostic and i questioned whether there was a god so northwestern university i teamed up with other agnostics or uh, wanted to invalidate all of the religions so we were going to invalidate you know hinduism buddhism christianity you name it because uh, you know we we felt like uh they were all man-made or human-made whatever and um so you asked uh, Jeff post heaven what, what what that did it changed. Um, yeah, I'm not a. I don't consider myself a religious person. I consider myself a relationship person. A relationship with Jesus is far different than a religion that says do this, do that, do this, do that. Because I think it begs back to the um, the issue of of you know, God changing the have to, to the want to, you know, I can be as, um, as let's say, uh, user friendly as possible to somebody, you know, telling them what they want to hear. But if I don't feel, you know, that, that love or that desire to know or to help someone sincerely, I mean, uh, the compulsion to want to do it because I think that's the right thing to do. Um, 
you know, doesn't really get to the point where I think that person needs to hear, you know, you got, you feel me, you understand me, you know, you, you've been there and I haven't been there. I don't know what everybody goes through, but I think that's the, that's the empathy that I felt the full empathy, you know, empathy different from sympathy. Sympathy is trying to understand how the other person feels, but empathy is actually feeling how the other person feels. And that's what I felt from Jesus. He knew that he knew, he knew everything about me, he knew everything uh, that I needed and yet I didn't feel judged. And I think religion as, as was defined back in, uh, in the days that, um, that Jesus you know, walked the earth was uh, he defined it in twofold, you know, and he defined it in people who needed help, you know, the widows, the orphaned, those people. And it wasn't in the context of liturgies or, you know, church ordinations or necessarily or doctrines or things of that nature, although I don't condemn them again. I, I think people, some, many people need that order and certainly that structure. But I believe in Jesus Christ as my, as my way and my life. And I felt that, that, you know, even if you're, you know, if you are a religious person in the context of this must be Jesus Christ is the only way, which, which I do uh, believe that Jesus, from my experience, certainly, the, the threshold was pretty low that Jesus put in place. Um, believe in me, confess with your, your tongue or believe in your heart that I am Lord, you know. Jesus didn't hang on the cross, you know, for the sake of, um, of, of just, of, you know, appeasing the law of the day from the Pharisees. He did that for the love of those, uh, you know, during that time and after. And, and I believe that. I believe that Jesus just, you know, this age of uh, grace and mercy that Jesus has for those who, you know, I saw again in heaven, I saw multitude of people beyond, you know, what I could put in numbers. Um, I was with Johnny Erickson Tata one time. I was, you know, was in a ministry with her. She's a, a quadruple. She said, I, you know, Randy, I think there are more people going to be more people in heaven than we think. And I said, yeah, because those people, I, I think oftentimes who are kind of raised in the, re- the, the religion uh, aspect kind of put that judgment on themselves Sometimes for various reasons, I'm not even judging those who do. I'm just saying that Jesus has such immense love. And right now as a former agnostic, I, you know, I'd be a fool to say I didn't believe in Jesus. Uh, I would be a fool and that he's, he is who he is. So I don't consider myself, I guess, long-winded answer. Sorry, Jeff. Okay. I, I'm not a religious person. I'm a religious person. My relationship with Jesus is foremost. That was great. All right, I'm going to take you down a path and see what you think about this. As you were first ascending, you said you saw like a battle going on or something. And you described him to me as non-human beings, tall, lanky, something. And then you describe the angels to me as non-human as well, more of like beings of light and energy. Some people will believe or may believe that, you know, when you start leaving the body and you go into these other places, you're going into other dimensions, other realms, and even Jesus can be there too. So I'm saying that in this other dimension, do you think you could have seen other dimensions, other beings, alien-like beings also there as well from what you're seeing? 
Yes. You know, alien is a, that's an interesting term because an alien by definition is something foreign to ourselves. Right? right. And certainly this was foreign to me, you know, foreign to, let's say humankind. Um, but Jesus was not, by the way, he was very familiar, mm-hmm. you know, and, but these, yes, these beings certainly, and these angelic beings were very different, you know, aliens, certainly by depths, by definition, mm-hmm. know who they were. And as far as being in different space, various continuums, whatever uh, you might term it, as I mentioned, I was, I felt like I was in a spiral galaxy during one period of time. And then I felt like I was in a place where I saw those warring kind of figures uh, in the distance who were this gangly, uh, you know, more like something you almost picture out of a, a horror picture. Um, you know, not all of them, but some of them were, you know, look more pristine. But, you know, that um, and then there was the place with Jesus uh, in heaven and paradise. You know, I, I felt like I was in certainly different places mm. and uh, with different experiences and with alien uh, certainly parts. But again, that, you know, alien is, is foreign. And so, you know, I can't ascribe necessarily whether, you know, they were from Mars or Venus or, you know, whatever. I think I, that that would be, I think, doing an injustice to the experience itself yeah. was very much one that I could not define uh, in the context of anything that we uh, have seen here. Right. I probably should have used the word multidimensional being or non-human intelligence. But I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts on that. Since I've interviewed so many people, I've come to learn that a lot of NDEers, there's parts of their near-death experience that they never share publicly with anybody. Is there any part of your experience that you've never shared with anybody that you're willing to share with us today? Well, it took me almost 14 years to share. I was being interviewed on a TV show about a book I'd written on some research. And the person I knew me was one like a handful of persons that knew about my NDE. What, what did I not experience? Yes. Yes. Because to me, they're like pearls, you know, and that's like, um, the first time I shared, I didn't want somebody to kind of discount or the, the experience that to me was the most important in my life. What have I not shared that I can share tonight with your audience is that, um, God loves you immeasurably more than you can possibly imagine. imagine. Um, I guess the closest analogy we think of is a healthy parent-child relationship, or maybe you can think of a spousal relationship, whatever, but some the person who loved you most in your life. And that love, um, that love is not even exponential, because that's being exponential, that is infinite, in nature would be, I think, an understatement to what that is. So I think there are a lot of unloved people, a lot of people who, let's say, they have faith, and um, and I was one of them, but did not truly believe. So I think that was what impressed me most, was the impartation of that. And I hope people hear it through my experience, if nothing else, 
that you are loved more than you could possibly, possibly understand even. And that love goes beyond anything you've done. Um, you may think that you did something that was unforgivable. That love goes right there. Uh, I felt like I was forgiven as far as the East is from the West. That is forgotten. You know, I maybe had enough to buy a cup of coffee in heaven. I don't know, being, you know, my goodness. But I certainly um, felt that, thought I was washed and I was new, made new. And I just felt that love to the point where um, I wish that there was some way that that could be conveyed to the extent that I know it in my heart and the fact that I can't fully comprehend in my mind because it is beyond words. Yeah. It's a common thing that I hear people describe kind of the same way you did about that, that infinite immeasurable love. I wish there was a way people could um, somehow express that after they come by besides words, you know what I mean? Have you thought about that? Like, is there some way I can express to people what of the amount of love I felt there? I mean, I'm guessing it's impossible, but is that kind of dawned on your mind? Well, would you give me liberty to just say a brief prayer and maybe impart that? Uh, sure. Impart that. Okay. Dear Lord, I ask, <laughs> I ask it knowing you, Lord Jesus, that you would impart that sense of love. Maybe it's a glimpse, but fun. But I ask, <laughs> I ask, dear Lord Jesus, that you would impart a sense to those listening or seeing this, how much you love them, how much you earnestly love them. And I sense in my, in my spirit that there are those who just feel like they're they're beyond, just beyond whatever. You've lost something. You've you can't fathom anyone. You've been abused. You've been gone through something. You've striven for something that that you've lost. And I ask Jesus that you give them full awareness of your presence. And I pray this. So what I think, whether in that instant, Jeff, or whether after, or maybe not at all for some, um, just the open heart um, to receive, you know, because I think we as humans have a tough time receiving, you know, a lot of good and love and all of those things. That's not just, you know, namsy pamsy, you know, it's just, we have been taught from early on that we have to measure up. We have to earn that, you know, earn love. And, um, my brother, uh, I can share this publicly now. This is something also that I haven't shared before. Was in prison for 17 years mm. for a crime that um, that I can't even mention on this show. And um, I met with him in prison, and um, I uh, um, talked to him, 
And he felt like he could never be forgiven. He committed the ultimate sin. And um, we spent time and, and prayer, you know, similar to what I just did. And um, I hope I believe, because he since died, um, you know, while in prison or just after getting out um, for like a couple of days, um, that he understood, because I think the tears showed it. And, um, you know, that's something that, you know, and it goes for so somebody offends us because offenses, you know, one of the things Jesus said to me was he said, when you stop judging yourself, then you will stop judging other people. And I realized at that point that I judge my children um, far too often, my wife and other people. But at the crux of it uh, was I had judged myself very harshly. And um, I said to Jesus, you know, I thought I needed in my journal, so I'm not verbatim now, but I thought I needed your forgiveness when all I needed was your love. Wow, talk about an epiphany. Yeah, that's amazing. All I needed was Yeah. You gave it to me. You know, I think it's great what you said is, and I've heard it over and over, but I think it's just great to say it again is, um, and I'm not giving... I'm not telling everybody to go out and do bad stuff, but generally, no matter what you've done, you're always going to be forgiven. And that's been repeatable from NBE person to NDE person that, you know, you are forgiven. Yeah, it's, um, we, I think it's easier to forgive other people sometimes than to forgive ourselves, you know, because we know who we are. Yeah. You know, we know <laughs> words and all. I mean, thoughts, you know, and you know, whether it be this or that, or I mean, they can be pretty heavy stuff. I mean, we can be angry, you know, we take certain sides, and you know, we're thinking, uh, you know, those thoughts that um, maybe condemns us enough so that we've we've reached the unforgivable point, and. Um, no, I mean, I mean, you look at people that Jesus picked, you know, to pick the prostitute. He picked, you know, Mary Magdalene. He picked, you know, uh, a murderer, right? David was a murderer and, you know, on and on. And I know this show, I don't want you to have to edit out, you know, the people, you know, that, that Jesus picked, mm-hmm. uh, that God picked, you know. And I think some one of the disconnects we were talking about religion is we look at somebody and they, they appear to be holier than thou, right? And it's like, um, no, no, they're not, you know, and we're continually reminded by certain what are called moral failures that, uh, that they're not, uh, in many ways it's an appearance and transparency. Vulnerability is a very difficult thing. It establishes, and I learned from the research, uh, vulnerability, transparency uh, establishes relationship perhaps more than any other quality because people feel that they need to be understood. 
you know, and if I say that, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I have it together, you know, I in the heaven, you know, I, you know, let me tell you uh, how it is. You know, if I, if I come across that way, um, then that's completely false to who I am. I am not, do not feel like I'm more enlightened having gone to heaven. I feel like I'm more, I feel like I'm more rich in relationship because I know that Jesus understands me. He understands each of us. And I didn't really feel that, that, uh, that God understood me. You know, I felt like he was up here and I was down here and, you know, that the never the twain shall meet. And, um, uh, that wasn't the case. I felt, you know, very much the koinonia, you know, Greek word for an intimate relationship, you know, intimacy that goes beyond anything of the, you know, eros or filial or any of the other types of loves, if you love, if you will, agape. Agape is the, the term I think that was used in the Greek uh, to explain the love that, that Jesus had. So that's what I felt. And I feel it, you know, I don't feel it as intensely there because I'm, you know, I got my mind, I got my thoughts going on. I'm thinking, you know, human mind scattered thinking, you know, 20 different things uh, going on in the, in the brain at any time I'm thinking, but you know, when I was in heaven, I was released from all that. I was uh, completely in tuned and uh, I was uh, fairly immersed and uh, it was amazing. Mm. Amazing. You know, Randy, unfortunately, we are running out of time and we didn't even finish your NDE. So I hope you will come back and join me for another another podcast so we can finish it and talk more about this. But before we go... I know you have one book. Well, you have seven books, as I said in the beginning, but you have one book that's done really well, I think amazingly well, and you have another book that's going to be coming out in September. So can you let us know about the title of the book that's done well? What's the one coming out in September and where can we find those? Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, Dying to Meet Jesus, which I wrote about brokenness, you know, why does God allow suffering, that sort of thing. Um, and it begins with my near-death experience and certainly has a flavor. But then I got reports, people saying, I wanted to hear the whole thing. You know, you journaled this thing and I wanted to hear about what it was like. What did Jesus say to you? So I wrote um, subsequently coming out September 9th. Um, it's a book called uh, Revelations from Heaven. And so there are lessons learned, experiences uh, uh, that I had there. So that's the book coming out. Dynamic Jesus is the one that uh, that is on the market. It's out now. Mm-hmm. And uh, then randyk.org, not .com. randyk.org is my, uh, my website. And um, even though I may not be able to respond to everybody and, you know, or at least in a timely fashion, I, you know, I take each person uh, that is off, come from, from the website and I do pray for them each person. So I, I can assure someone that wants to go there that, that I can, I will do that. If someone wants to reach out, do you, do they find you at randyk.org or like on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere else? Yeah. Um, of course I have Facebook. I have Instagram at Randolph K. Um, it's more kind of a personal thing, uh, family pictures and that sort of thing. Facebook. I have, uh, uh, Randy K author is my, um, author page. Uh, I've written a lot of business books, you know, a lot of um, self-help books, like, you know, a lot of articles. Um, but the part, which is kind of the, 
the near-death experience or what I call more the afterlife experience is uh, on the Randy K called Randy K Ministries, uh, randyk.org. So, so okay. that's one I would encourage people. Well, you've got the book coming out soon. Do you have any other projects that you're working on that you want us to know about? Well, uh, I started with um, uh, a partner friend of mine, uh, you know, since we did train companies like Johnson and Johnson and Google and others, um, I started abundant life, uh, abundant dash life dot online. It's relatively new. So we're working out the kinks in that, but it's, uh, it's a live site. So working on that, which is helping people, you know, from a development standpoint, assessments, you know, like emotional intelligence, things like that, but also, you know, some spiritual counseling, um, coaching on that site as well. My ministry, Randy K ministry site, we're, um, you know, we're, um, we're re-engaging because of COVID, a pandemic, uh, you know, to some of the public, uh, you know, sites. And then we're going to have probably, a, a, we're planning an NDE conference in San Diego, California, at a place called the Legacy Center. So in San Diego, we intend to, we've got postponed because of the lockdowns. Uh, we're planning on having that sometime uh, in the late fall. You know, in San Diego, it tends to be pretty nice uh, year round. So uh, that one, we're going to invite not just myself, but some others also to attend so that you know, we'll make announcements on the ministry site, uh, randyk.org as, uh, as we get closer to that. Before we wrap it up, do you have one last message that you can share to the audience? Yeah, I, you know, I feel like um, some of your viewers really are searching for answers that always seem to be more ambiguous than they want, you know, and I just want to encourage your viewers that, um, you know, when you get there in the place that I was, ambiguity will become clear, you know, but um, we have a finite number of brain cells and all those other things. So I share your frustration, but I also want to encourage you in that, um, you know, that you, your heart's desires, your heart of hearts are going to be fulfilled and um, that um, you can start, stop striving and start um, thriving. The fact that sounds cliche, but thriving in the sense that, you know, if you pursue the truth, just pursue the truth, you know, truth seekers become truth finders. As long as you're seeking out the truth, you're going incremental, you know, don't, don't try to be your, uh, the best, try to be your person, beat your personal average and you'll be a whole lot happier. And don't try to, you know, get all the answers to your questions. Just know that there's someone with uh, all of those answers that, uh, all of those questions that will be answered eventually. Mm, I like that. Randy, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you. Uh, like I said, I hope we can get you back. If it's not soon, then we should definitely get you back when your book is released. You know, more I want to talk about is probably more of the nuts and bolts of that next book. So um, again, I thank you and I wish you massive success in everything you're doing. Well, likewise, Jeff, and likewise to your audience. Thank you so much. God right. bless. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. 
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.